Hi, hello, welcome to the new episode of, of Argumenter Podcast. This is a special episode of the Argumenter Podcast series. Today we'll be discussing with regard to the three farmer acts which are of huge concern and very controversial in the matter of fact. Now, whether, whether these acts are pro-business or pro-farmer or are they really exploitative or why the entire process protests are, are all about and, in, in, and what exactly are the sections prevalent in these acts. So Maria is not here in this session uh, due to some last minute uh, activity she had to get on to it and she will surely be there in the in the next session for sure and uh, yes Maria do come back in the next session so joining with us is uh, Sumuk uh, hi Sumuk do uh, tell your name uh, hi Joel uh, what do you do hi Joel um, so Uh, welcome uh, guys i'm sumuk biram i'm a second year law student at uh, christ university so i've always had a passion for law and policy so it had helped me getting a uh, knack of get getting deep into things and understanding how they work um so i have an organization called as nyayartha uh, which focuses on simplifying law and policy so in the age of misinformation uh, where people need simplification to understand uh, concepts which uh, hurt them at their core because most of these policies or laws uh, touch their cornerstones of their daily lives so if we're able to simplify it and create awareness for them through visual explanation uh, it helps them a lot so that's my mission through my organization called as nyayartha so yeah yeah uh, thank and you so also much. i feel like what somok tries to achieve through nayartha is very very essential for today's world because people often look at law with the misconception that is very complex and not everybody can understand it but being a witness to their content as well i can tell you that anybody can understand complex legal topics and deduce anything they can from it so somok i feel like what you guys are doing at nayartha is very good and you guys should keep going on with it Thank you, Minaj. Uh, thank you for inviting me to this platform. I've been uh, following your podcast as well. Uh, very informative topics. So I think in this day and age, we need to have a dialogue or a, a bridge between people in order to share their thoughts. Um, so I congratulate you all first of all for doing that, uh, and I wish you um, for lo- lots of success ahead. Yeah. Uh, thanks right. a lot, Sam. Uh, with uh, with what we're going to deal with in today's session is as as i mentioned earlier is with regard to the entire uh, the, the three acts in particular so the uh, the reason being that a lot of questions are being asked as to is it is it the next liberalization like what we had in the 90s and what are the what are the key uh, structures uh, in, in these three acts and also the controversy with regard to if it's if it's a state subject and uh, and why is, why is the center getting into it and also with the re, with also the the one of the oldest allies of the bjp which is the akali dal also uh, moving out of the nda a lot of confusion and, and, and a lot of misconception also is being raised with regard to these acts so uh, so uh, do yeah. do let, uh, let us know how would this really how would this act in particular uh, let's take the uh, the assurance act so mm. uh, how would that act in like the, the farmers produce uh, trade and commerce yes. act sorry the, the farmers trade and the produce farmers act, produce yes. trade and commerce act. yeah yeah so se- section 3 of that act states that uh, any farmer or trader or or, or electronic tra- trading and transaction platform shall have the freedom to carry on the interstate yeah. or intrastate and com- trade and commerce yeah. in farmers produce yeah. so how would that really help from the 
pre-existing system and do explain about the pre-existing system as well. All right. Yeah. Uh, so like, as you mentioned rightly, we need to talk about the Farmers Produce Act as per uh, such. Uh, so in order to understand this, uh, the farmers itself is a very colonial era system because uh, as we know, though we made advent or advance into other uh, facets of society, whether it's railways or whether it's uh, uh, air transport or whether it is uh, science and technology, uh, farming as an occupation uh, remained very uh, preliminary in nature because uh, it was very rudimentary and after the green revolution maybe the farmers felt the need for say tractors or modern crops and gm seeds and etc but before that it was basically a farmer with his field and uh, oxen now the entire basis of the previous act was that um, like there there was huge communication problems earlier because like thanks to modern technology again you're able to uh, transfer so as we all know, because of the advent of normal systems, there were communication uh, barriers and with that it was uh, remedied. Now, the only reason why the existing structure was in place was because of the APMC, uh, which is the uh, Agriculture Produce Marketing Commodities. So basically what this uh, is, is a government sanction center. So uh, as farmers need to sell their crops, so they need to take it to their local APMC where they're registered. So unless you're a registered farmer, you cannot sell a crop lawfully because otherwise you need to sell it through another farmer or through a middleman and you wouldn't get any profits anyway so once you're registered at a apmc say suppose you're a farmer from karnul you would obviously have to register to a district apmc in chitur similarly it works for all the 640 districts in india so the what this entails is that the apmc is like a local um, bazaar so you go over there sell the crops to the middleman because ultimately that guy will go on to sell it to bigger cities or he has his own warehouse or there are government agents also who buy at the apmc so these people buy it at say um, the market demand so for example if you have a bumper crop so uh, if we have good rainy season and we expect a lot of wheat and rice you wouldn't get much uh, say uh, um, money for the cash crops and etc but say suppose if you have something out of the variety uh, that is why many farmers also have a small plot for exotic crops like coffee or cashew or strawberries or something like that in cold or warm climates alike so they they sell the for prices higher than market demand and that is why they're expensive uh the problem being is that since their uh, competition is also very like highly competitive they know who their competitors are and two their only option is to sell to a particular place so if a person from karnataka is registered as a farmer he has to sell it only to his district apmc he can't sell it to in Assam or in West Bengal if there's demand. So that is the basic issue, right? So if you have a local APMC, the, you have to sell it to that person and there's a cartelization. So even though the market demand is like say 26 rupees for onions uh, per kilogram, obviously, they will talk amongst themselves. These are the middlemen, basically. They will talk amongst themselves and say, no, look, we'll just offer him 21, whether he comes to me or to you. So he, the farmer has to sell it to at 21 rupees when the actual market demand is 26. So uh, it's basically, uh, they basic, uh, they're breaching systems of uh, economic sciences, which, which has to be followed. So when you actually buy it for a price cheaper than what the demand is, you will obviously sell it for higher. So he, nobody, would sell it for uh, 
uh, 26 rupees, obviously, they will sell it for 29 or 30. So he gets a 9 rupee profit uh, and the farmer has to incur a loss as well because he transports uh, the crop, he plants the crop and also he has to sow the crop and even he has to pay the taxes to the APMC, the middleman doesn't pay this. So that were the problems with the APMC which have been changed where just the, where the farmer has to uh, can uh, transact anywhere. So that's the fundamental difference if you have to take it. He has to, he can transact anywhere to any place in India so that he can get his rightful revenue. Yeah, uh, thank you so much for that. When speaking of uh, taxes, uh, don't you think that the, the with the current system of the APMC, won't the state also be losing out on the the taxes which which it was actually claiming from the APMC from the entire process as well? And also uh, with regard to how would you how would the entire transportation process be? How and won't there be also strict uh, more competition when a, when a farmer wants to go and sell his or her produce toward toward say let's say uh, in a state like Kerala or in a state like Tamil Nadu? Uh, mind it also that Kerala does uh, states like Kerala uh, do not have an APMC as well, APMC act, act as well. So how would a farmer who has pretty much uh, not really good uh, experience of of trying to sell it outside uh, a particular state or a particular territory, how would it uh, did, did it really counter these problems of transportation experience and also getting the the oh, buyer, yeah. buyers also? Yeah. Uh, so with that, I'll answer your question in two points. One will be with respect to revenue and two with how interstate trade works. Uh, with respect to revenue, you can give a yes and no answer uh, because I don't know how the state's logic works and whether it's reasonable at all in the first place. Their belief is that they're foregoing uh, revenue through taxation because ultimately, if you have to ask any layman person what taxation is, it's basically... Um, rent or something which you pay to the state uh, because you utilize its resources and they'll use it on public um, welfare and public services and administration etc so uh, and a point to note is that though we have large workforce um, with respect to uh, taxation uh, sorry large workforce with respect to agriculture in india about 50% of the uh, population works in agriculture sector uh, agri taxes on agriculture is not permitted so any produce as such is a non taxable commodity so for example if there's apples for example you don't directly tax the apples all right. So only once it goes to the market and when it's branded and when it is uh, shelled in your local grocery shop, only then you pay the GST. So the only tax you're paying on a particular food item or an edible item is when you when you finally pay the GST. But for other products, it might not be as such. Say suppose you're manufacturing a car, you will be paying your taxes or indirect taxes from nuts and bolts to steel frames to rents and electrical charges and final again the GST and etc. So that's the fundamental difference between taxes in agriculture commodities and etc. But as I mentioned earlier, the farmer has to pay the taxes to APMC. That is for utilizing the services of the APMC. As I said before, it's a government sanctioned place. So since you went over there and you utilize that particular place for selling your produce, you need to pay taxes on that. So uh, that's the, uh, that's, that is with respect to the place uh, which you're utilizing. It's not with respect to the produce at all. So um, the they haven't changed much with respect to how revenue with APMC works. Uh, instead of paying in Karnataka, for example, you'll be paying in Assam now. So suppose you choose to pay it over there. Um, so it, it all stays the same. But again, it depends on fees. So suppose if it's in, in Karnataka, it's mandated by the states, right? So in Karnataka, if it's like 60 rupees, uh, 
per ton or something like that uh, in assam they might uh, have it for lesser or higher so you don't know uh, it varies from state to state and district to district obviously uh, Uh, but the states use that uh, they're reducing revenue through taxation generated from apmc so that economic uh, prosperity give, uh, occurs to the farmers because they're able to venture into new markets because they're able to venture into new territories and get foreign investment or uh, say interstate investment or something they believe that trying to create a network or a, uh, a community among farmers which is uh, uh, similar to what's seen in the european union where multiple states trade between each other uh, so they believe that will lead india to a global prosperity and taxation isn't the only way to uh, like say generate revenue for the state they believe farmers themselves can do it by selling amongst each other um, but as you mentioned before this is a serious flaw with the topic uh, when it comes to interstate trade now the only reason why apmc was there because farmer isn't technically skilled to sell it to the consumer so for example if i'm a software coder for example for google i will just write the code for say um, the google uh, uh, meet app or anything with respect to email and etc i won't be going to sell it to the consumer so uh, uh, that that is the job of the marketing officer or say the higher ups who make uh, campaigns for that and etc similarly the farmers role apparently according to a traditional society uh, is that um, uh they just like say produce the crops and they harvest it uh and therefore uh, they have to go sell it now they don't know how to sell it because they don't know which market to go to or which consumer to go to they don't know the exact price at which the consumer wants to buy and this all takes time and effort like instead of spending 2 to 3 months selling my crops i would rather worry about the next crop cycle so and these are 2 3 months which are precious for a farmer because again you have to start working so they might take off or something like that so that's how traditional farming society works so that is why an apmc was created uh so this, these guys usually take over the middleman's job of transferring and they cartelized it now similar problem occurs over here like that was regional you like you sell it to the apmc guy that go, guy goes and sell it wherever he wants but now uh, in case of interstate trade you still don't know whom to sell it to in assam or you still don't know whom to sell it to in uttar pradesh you still need that interstate trade guy or a dealer guy who yeah. will uh, have to sell your product so whether it's coffee from kurg or whether it is saffron from kashmir all these products have to be sold to an interstate agent or a uh, dealer because you don't have the mechanism to uh, give it to the co- final consumer directly so they haven't given measures at all with respect to that so uh, they're replacing one problem yeah. with another problem so <laughs> that's the issue yeah so that like speaking of interstate relations i think the reason why you have several governments also protesting with regard to the entire act is because like I think off late there have been a lot of tensions with regard with the state government and the respect to center government, like like you saw with GST and also like yeah. we see today with farmers act as well. But why do you specifically think that states like Punjab or Haryana are the farmers are protesting rather than a state like maybe Bihar or like has it really affected? Because like, it hasn't really affected the elections in Bihar with regard to the the farmers act, but 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 it it will surely may affect. with because of the farmers protesting in punjab or haryana so how do you think is that yeah. like with regard to the entire center state uh, relationship as well and also yeah my sec my uh, other question is with regard to even like with this with, with, with this act 
and with subsequent uh, legislation as well, you are allowing new players to get into the type of you are allowing corporates to get in as well. So, how would that really be balancing out with regard to their experience and also their exploitation on farmers? And how would True. that be a, a a new solution to the existing system at hand? Yeah, which also yeah. brings us to the point of the new concept, which was introduced uh, of hmm. sponsors. Yeah. And sponsors entering the market who directly procure the produce from the farmers, because exactly, the farmers, yeah. as you clearly stated, lack the skills to sell their produce to the customers. Exactly. So how do yeah. you think? How do you think that the introduction of these sponsors actually benefits the farmers? And do you think that this introduction of this new player in the market poses a ground for them to exploit the farmers? What do you have to say to that? uh so i'll start by answering your first question so like obviously it's it is tinted with political connotations obviously uh so as we all know there's no referendum system in the like say in india so if you know what happened in the us elections recently uh, certain states actually had a simultaneous referendum along with their election so as you know in their elections they elect everyone from their local uh, mayor to the president they have to just stick on whom they want to select for that particular role and alongside with that they also had questions like should marijuana be legalized in this state mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. questions like that will be there for a state election or a, in order to have a referendum simultaneously by i don't know why whether it's fortunately or unfortunately that hasn't been implemented in india ever so but like if you ask me as a political pundit or as person who watches the news a certain elections which are very which are in close proximity uh, to policies and etc are seen to be a test testimony on whether it's working or not so when demonetization worked uttar pradesh elections came close by and they thought this will be a vote against the ruling government but they won by like three fourths majority by winning 304 seats similarly in bihar they they were able to form a government which was already lackluster and already losing shape and there was like there was uh, uh, signs of the opposing uh, opposition parties forming a government but they were able to string together a, a stable coalition but if you ask me why certain states are opposing and why certain states are uh, it's because uh, the, there's a dichotomy in how farming also works uh, because if you notice in bihar and etc most of the farmers are illiterate and they have to rely on the uh, apmc guys and you also need to know who the protesters are in the first place so in bihar like like as i mentioned for the past 10 minutes everyone has to sell it to the local apmc guys but in bihar it has been institutionalized to form a very corrupt system like elsewhere in india but since uh, like the uh, cow belt states are infamous for corruption let's take their example so in bihar there there's lots of uh, corruption with respect to apmc they wouldn't even get the fair price sometimes they don't even get their money so when you have a policy which says look you can now uh, sell your product directly to someone in bombay now whether that is practically possible or not is out of the question for a perspective of a farmer i'm just saying because when you have a very restricted view of how your job works you would feel very depressed and sad because how blatantly your rights are being violated now when someone's opening a new window uh, whether it's 
working or not is not a question for the farmer according to me because ultimately is looking for a better better future and he will vote for that now it's up to the government to fulfill that when that will be uh, say an answer in the next election according to me similarly why people in punjab protested was one uh, there are many fa- like as we know like though we have zamindari uh, abolition act and only 1951 majority of the lands were Uh, ultimately uh, being controlled by very powerful families like they were able to transfer the names to these small farmers small time farmers but they exhibit control over these lands so ultimately even though it's uh, officially in the name of few uh, sharecroppers these people own 1000 2000 acres of land and uh, unfortunately these people also are part of the apmcs so they enjoy money both ways they're able to reap the benefit of their produce and also Uh, sit on the board of the APMC, dictate the prices, and sell it elsewhere. So uh, they control pretty much the entire system. So when this hegemony or the monopoly is broken, and you say this farmer can sell it anywhere, um, uh, it ultimately breaks their hold. And also, uh, like say, significant part of the protests also was from the opposition, uh, like say. volunteers or karyakartas or whatever you want to call them and i wouldn't term that wrong because as a political activist activist you can but whether uh, that can be legitimate uh, is a question because uh, obviously you the opposition or the ruling government when it was in the opposition opposed just for the sake of it so but even the ally also should... even the ally too had all, like even the akali dal also yeah, like exactly my out. point being the point being is that these people who uh, hold hegemony because their forefathers used to be like powerful zamindars they used to have 1000 2000 acres of land officially the land will be in the hand of some small share cropper but they will exhibit control of the produce so even if the exactly. small uh, share cropper guy sells it for 30 rupees like on the best case scenario he has to keep 10 for himself and give 20 to the guy because he is their lord or something like that so when these powerful people also form uh, like as i mentioned before corruption doesn't mean that they form a cartelization how cartelization happens you try to get your way into the board of the apmc so if i'm able to pay high money to sit on the ch- uh, chairman or the round table of the apmc i get to decide the future of that state in terms of agriculture produce so these guys are powerful they get their way through and sit on that apmc boards and etc so that's the problem right in punjab and haryana and even in uh, andhra pradesh so in andhra pradesh i don't know why the protest didn't happen or whether it was uh, not covered and etc but it's it's there in multiple states where uh, land lots or say like say over lots of lands still exist to this day i think the point you're trying to make is very relevant here because what yeah. you're trying to say is that because in most scenarios these apmcs are sort of controlled by these landlords exactly sort of exist some sort of political if you can term it control over these apmcs even though they are government regulated yeah like so if you know these how alternate BCCA works uh, bcc yeah. also works in terms of political like rajiv shukla uh, dalmia and all these guys were leaning towards the congress now you have people like jaysha ganguly and anurag takur who who are from the bjp so it's a messy thing again people just fight for supremacy over boards because they want their name on the thing so it works like that it's messy exactly thing. and these alternate market routes provide respite in in a way to the farmer so that they can sell their produce and get what they truly deserve yeah all right and again touching upon the concept of sponsors and do you mm-hmm. think 
do you think their entire terminology and their entire concept is a double-edged sword? Uh, if you ask me in my, uh, like, say, fair opinion as to how uh, corporatization of agriculture works, I strongly oppose to it because, um, why I oppose to it? Because uh, in terms of how, uh, like, say, for tra- traditional farming works, it works on a demand-supply basis. So if I have a corporate guy coming and trying to buy me off for a lower price and then he rebrands it for sells it for much higher he's basically taking over mm. what the APC did earlier and uh, it, it reduces small time buyers because what happens is uh, these well, let's just take names for example let's take more let's take Reliance let's take Adani oil companies or whatever uh, who which manufacture sunflower oil or something now these guys won't go to your average Joe farmer who has one acre of land they go to farmers who have 100 acres of land who have tons of produce and etc so they are able to negotiate better to these big guys saying that look I will buy your uh, so-and-so produce for a so-and-so amount. Let's just keep this thing going on and on. You'll get a fair price, which was better than what the APMC offered. And I'll be able to um, brand this product in a very qualitative manner. That is how majority of the chunks go through. But what's left are these small itsy-bitsy farmers who have, say, small patches of land or who still rely on traditional... They will will be neglected. Exactly. They'll be neglected. They don't have a bargaining capacity. So True. if, uh, if, if a farmer or who has an estate of say hundred acres in coffee, if he gives it to uh, cafe coffee day, he'll get a better price. But if I'm the same uh, farmer who has one acre of land, I can't go to cafe coffee day and say, uh, Hey dude, you want uh, coffee? Can you, I'll sell it to you only for uh, 30 rupees. He'll say like, no, I already have a better dealer. Similarly, what happens is this guy ultimately has to go to these uh, uh, small small time farmers or small time consumers outside state or inside state and again he has to go to the traditional system of APMC uh, politics middlemen coming in middlemen coming in and extra etc etc so it kills small time farmers basically it doesn't provide an advantage for them and it uh, like on the other side even for the uh, big time guys, uh, they necessarily get better price than what the APMC offered. So if the APMC gave you 20, they'll give you 25, five rupees extra big deal. But at the end of the day, uh, the corporate guys are, um, making a lot of money because, uh, they're taking away a lot of jobs. Like though APMC is a messy affair, it still has livelihood of say lakhs of people. So whether it's a corrupt practice or not is if we leave that aside for a second also, they're humans at the end of the day. So they're taking away their jobs and their positions which they used to hold. They will buy it for 25 and they will market it in such a way that they'll sell it for 50. So there's no check and balance as to say, you know, you need to sell it only for this much. I don't think uh, the price ceiling and price flooring applies to these private organizations because they want to focus on the ease of be uh, doing business uh, stuff as well. So that's the problem. They don't that they don't have checks and balances for the uh, private coming in. A very notable point you made here. You made here was the fact that these corporates and big private companies they have higher bargaining power in economic terms and exactly they, and when there any dis, when there is any dispute that arises or even if it comes to framing a contract for the farmers they would obviously have an edge in those in those matters and they would eventually lead to you know them exploiting yeah, and the farmers like as like way. as law students we also know this like even if the farmer is right or etc like how will he prove it like he'll take it to court or then he goes exactly. to mediation 
and tell me like any process. ordinary farmer would rather sit and say oh screw this i wouldn't work with this guy anymore in the future and start fo- focusing on his crops rather than say look i want justice i'll go to court i'll create a landmark mm-hmm. case that really doesn't work it's all it doesn't work in this way. country yeah exactly yeah. exactly and even if i file a pil they'll be like what's a local stand i i can't say that i'm a grieved farmer because i am a student studying law in christ so that's another issue why the supreme court should actually buck up over these issues because they take this um, issue in a way where actual aggrieved people should come and then they'll be like oh this is a valid point i'll change this they should rather uh, start giving advisory opinions like the us or say the icj for example the icj doesn't necessarily say look i need a case in order to solve this if you ask the icj uh, as a country or something they'll give you a very lengthy advisory opinion on how law should be followed so i think such exactly. mechanisms should be uh, applied or something in india yeah well looking in retrospect i feel like the point you made right now is very important because if the judiciary takes upon that extra role and sort of gives advice when there are situations that arise then it would lead to better functioning of the judiciary one and better implementation of the law in the future as well yeah so i and, think that what we should really focus on like i think like a lot lot of confusion was created with regard to the act that there's no mention of the term msp when i when i when i came through the entire the three acts there was a no mention about yeah. the, the minimum minimum support price and also yeah. uh, can like since we talked about corporates can this be uh, leading to a next a, a next movement like a green like the green revolution on on how to really reform the entire industry but also the side effects being pesticides and insecticides and so the, the kind of practices also being done so with the corporates entering into the, into the entire market will the, the the agricultural practices be affected and also what and also what does this do to the the current msp system in place yeah uh, to answer this like we need to understand how msp works in its first place so it is not a legislative measure like when you say that i didn't find a mention of it anywhere that's because it was never enacted in the first place so it's an administrative measure so uh, like for example the closest thing i can give you um is a foreigner tribunal in nrc it was never uh, formally uh, say uh, enacted in the first place in the parliament they just had uh, the executive the home ministry saying we'll set up a form of foreigner tribunal it went to the supreme court and thankfully the court said that no i will oversee the proceedings so these are all administrative measures which are well within the bounds of what the state can do um msp works in two ways one it's a guideline uh, for the private guys to see how the market is moving uh, two it's the obligation of the state so for example if you're selling it to the state you have to sell it for a price at or above msp so if the msp is fixed at 18 for example and how is it factored they take all your land labor uh, transport costs and they also keep a 20% profit margin that's all so uh, if you are spending 15 rupees in cost they'll say 18 because 20% uh, it works that way uh, so if you sell it to the state you have to get uh, with whatever the conditions are you'll get 18 or above but in case of the private guys it's an obligation like if you are a fair 
person who is doing proper business with these farmers and etc you will pay them 18 as the bottom line and you'll try to get them to 18 or 19 or 20 uh, in within that uh, range so that that is how msp works it's not an obligation to follow um, and uh, like msp have was never removed in the first place in like by, by either of these three acts it's just that it becomes irrelevant why i say so because uh, msps were meant only for apmcs so uh, in a particular region or in a particular state the msp is 18 so the msp for onions in karnataka is 18 but the msp for onions in uh, bihar will be 30 uh, so it works uh, i mean it's, it's an exaggeration that will be 30 but uh-huh. like you get the point uh, so Uh, it it works on those apmc basis now if i remove the entire uh, aspect of that you'll sell it to the localized apmc you will sell it for uh, say any state in india or even international trade msp really doesn't make sense then the uh, uh, key parameters of economic uh, trade comes in where demand supply and what's the median e- or equilibrium comes in so you need to figure out the pulse of the market so uh, that is through the dealer or if you have a knack for business uh you the msp really doesn't come into play um whether so the, it is beneficial so the move is, or, the move is to slowly yeah. remove the entire apmc system because a this the msp issue will be slowly sorted out if it is apmc will always be there like what happens is you 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 won't be obligated to sell it to the same apmc like now even if i have to sell it to assam i will have to sell it through the apmc itself it's just that i don't need to uh, sell it to my karnataka guy first and the karnataka guy sells it to assam so that's how it works so uh, you like the apmc as a institution will always be there you it's just that you not obligated as a farmer to sell it to that apmc where you registered you can sell it to anywhere across india um, and uh, like if you can rake in the benefits which earlier the middleman used to uh, get now uh, in terms of msp itself whether uh, uh, you will get price lesser than the msp or not is totally fallacious because uh, like msps keep it on a 20% profit margin so like not normal market indicators are based on demand and supply so uh, like like you, unless you sell it to an apmc you get it for uh, the price higher than that so msp as a minimum support price it works with respect to uh, market conditions and what's fixed by the government so it's an administrative uh, sanction as i mentioned earlier so it's not legislative it, it's not enacted in the first place so it can be revoked whenever the government pleases which it has not done in this particular instance what it has done is it has turned irrelevant so as i mentioned earlier as to how it's an obligation uh, for them to follow uh, like these apmc guys uh, they will usually stick to a price which is slightly above the msp uh, so uh, like minaj raised the pertinent question as to whether the apmc uh, are we moving away from the apmc um right now no because i don't know in the future if they believe msp as an institution itself is worse it's a socialist system so therefore we don't need it uh, that we don't know that's a question the future holds uh, uh, what happens in this instance is that uh, the obligation for a farmer who has to restrict his entire trade to a particular apm has stopped so Uh, because of the cartelization he didn't even get a fair price like sometimes they don't even get the msp like i mentioned earlier though it's an obligation it's not strict 
uh, which is not strict for them to be followed so they pay them 15 they pay them 14 sometimes they pay them nothing saying that there is no funds available in the coffers of the apmc so that is why the farmer suicides happen uh, so uh, like now because this has been replaced with market forces uh, like ultimately we need to understand why msps like how is it even uh, uh, forced in the first place it is also based on market conditions right because the market conditions for land labor uh, uh, are in such like say num- amounts or numbers they fix it to particular amount and they reduce it from what the market demand actually is so the like in market demand they'll be asking for a 50% profit margin here they'll give 20% profit margin because the government obviously doesn't want uh, it, uh, it to pay more they would like to spend less obviously so uh, because the market uh, forces work now in a free manner like how adam smith envisioned as to how there should be no barriers to trade uh, two parties broker between each other based on how the market and demand is working and they'll sell it for a price which is uh, agreeable to both of them and there's a higher chance for it to be always about msp now whether uh, there are um, say consequences for not following the apmc is twofold now whether if you sell it to an apmc and he doesn't uh, uh, give you the right amount you can always raise a concern which was available earlier as well but it was never heeded but we have to see how which uh, it will be done this time around because you're selling it to a different state altogether um, so that's an important issue to consider uh, but apart from that msp as a concept has turned irrelevant APMC has an institution has not turned irrelevant uh, so it's a tight uh, like say tectonic shift in how agriculture uh, economies or commerce works so uh, like the age old system which has been followed for like say 100 years now uh, has been changed uh, for the better or for the worse uh, that's the, like that's an answer the future holds because when rea came in it was considered to be a boon for the real estate market Three years down the line, it's not so anymore. Like in the act itself was envisioned to be something, but the reality is called something else because corruption, uh, age-old practice and system which people can't come out of. All these are practices which have hampered the real estate, uh, uh, say, society in India, and coupled with demonetization and COVID nineteen, that industry has gone for a toss. So, like. Uh, we what we need to understand is that law doesn't dictate terms so whether this institution is there or not there uh, that is just a safeguard which the government provides you it doesn't provide you safeguards for yeah. what happens in terms of realities outside like nobody can predict how covid can change agriculture totally you never know how uh, how agriculture will happen in the future because of covid because they mentioned e contract farming now what if farmer says that no i will never go to an apmc uh, because i have a higher chance of uh, co- contracting a virus or rather do online farming so i don't know like the, i think maybe uh, like nature brings change uh, or like say it makes laws redundant or old or it makes laws beneficial we never know but as of now this is what the law states which basically means that uh, you you are not obligated to sell it to your regional apmc you can sell it elsewhere as well uh, msp is just a safeguard which is not obligatory to follow and this privatization this e contract farming among other things so yeah don't you think that more cooperative society like like what amul does the like mm-hmm. where the, the profits are shared with the farmers themselves and there's less amount of exploitation by the middlemen 
but also what the apmc does is that it kind of stores your it gives you, gives you an assurance of storing your your product as well for for a long period of time so want a cooperative model be a be a, be a more uh, reliable source especially with examples of amul and also there may be other cooperative uh, uh, unions as well yeah. with regard to the farm produce yeah. as well so, so won't that be like so even if any if a kind of if any, any kind of kind of situation of exploitation or if any at the end of the day all these uh, it all boils down to is the farmer benefiting from all from 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 the legislation that at place so with the model of a cooperative with the cooperative society society won't that be a more fun, more that be more ethical and more beneficial uh, system true but again we need to consider uh, say how amul works like the like like it's a case study in itself because amul is selling milk so milk is not something which is uh, grown once in 3 months like whatever comes to an apmc if i'm talking in a logical manner like say it's tomatoes or coffee or whether it's rice or uh, wheat or something these are produced once in 3 4 months so uh like you need to consider the factor of the crop cycle as well so milk was produced daily and sold daily but they didn't get a fair price for it so they created a cooperative society and i commend them for doing that like that actually works but uh, can we take that same principle into um, say applying it for all agriculture produce is a question for which for i can't perishable. answer for perishable yeah, for like, perishable ones even perishable ones like what's perishable like if you take even oil Uh, like i don't know if there's an oil cooperative society and whether it's possible because it's a very complex thing to answer is my point like because uh, the principle is the cooperative society i get it but whether every commodity or every uh, say um, farm farm activity works in that same manner is it's a question which i can't answer because i don't know how i think even coffees and strawberries uh, have different ways of uh, market relation uh, like rice and wheat and millets have different types of uh, marketing cycles and uh, marketing uh, patterns so i think we need to consider all this before saying that okay let's just implement that policy but uh, i mean i would say that you can give it a thought uh, like there's no harm in doing that uh, but uh, like i think apart from that uh, yeah i mean like what was your other question like uh, what i was trying to trying to indicate towards the entire aspect of consumerism as well so mm. like with uh, like uh, as you spoke about uh, about the about the cooperative society of amul and how the the, the farmers to are benefited from the entire process mm. as well but then yeah. uh, when we saw in september what happened when the government had banned the export of onions to to the outside yeah. countries as well it at the end yeah. of the day it due to the inflation of prices it, it 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 ended in the exploitation of the farmers themselves so exactly it, so with a with a model like this how would they trust on like maybe the private players or it's isn't it isn't it towards the end of the day how much ever reforms you're doing towards a particular community maybe a farmers or maybe uh like a, a particular sectors the end result result is not them benefiting but the consumers or the middlemen or even the government themselves yeah. Yeah. With all these measures, measures in place, because the consumers oh. are very are very scared about the uh, higher higher uh, prices. But then it's the farmers who are at the end of the day who are also feeling the the crunch. I think it boils down to like say how cooperative societies itself work in the first place. So uh, well, like as I mentioned earlier, I think we it's based on the product itself because milk is consumed every day. Uh, so maybe you might need a 
cooperative society and likewise even coffee is consumed every day but um, let's say if you take rice for example rice is mainly consumed in the southern parts of india in the north it's mainly wheat where they make chapatis or rotis or whatever uh, so i don't i mean i can i don't know how cooperative society should work and like even if you take the example of exports any model which you follow at end of the day is subject to exports and import regulations so because you follow this model doesn't exempt you that oh, now you can sell it to malaysia or pakistan so uh, those are knee jerk movements by the government i don't know why they did that in the first place uh, but again maybe they have legitimate reasons for like showing their diplomatic might by saying that look you are not the say the king over here we even we know how to tackle you like similarly when we placed the uh, ban on palm oil from uh, malaysia because they try to have a soft corner for uh, our perpetual enemy pakistan yeah. uh, like uh, like it hampered a lot of palm oil industry guys in india so like whether uh, like it comes down to the uh, like the aspect of what the uh, conservative right puts which is that can you sacrifice your uh, self interest for the larger view of a yeah. nation so that's a more political or an ideological answer so uh, i think i, I mean it's not bet, best yeah, fit to answer the way yeah yeah and without without drawing this conversation out further i think smoky we've had it's been a pleasure to have you over at uh, argumento because the kind of legal acumen that you've brought in and the kind of opinions and your views and your criticisms of the act have really shed light upon the key lacunae and the key issues of this act and i think the fact of the matter remains that we are here debating about something that we're not direct stakeholders of the actual affected parties of the aggrieved parties or even, you know the benefited parties yeah, aren't aware about these consumers but again exactly yeah so we are consumers but we i mean we are not farmers at the end of the day so like unless exactly. we are able to sell it to the apmks we can't comment on it yeah exactly and it's it's a sorry state of affairs because they wouldn't even know if they're being benefited or if they're being aggrieved by certain measures and legislative measures introduced by the government and true in an era of misinformation exploitation is rampant and I really hope that trend changes and the government really does something in order to give some sort of benefit to the farmers. And I think yeah, that pretty much sums up our discussion for today. Yeah, uh, it was a pleasure for chatting with you guys as well. Um, it was a great um, session, which was stimulating in nature. Uh, I think like. like as you mentioned in the fag end of your closing statement i think the government needs to publish stuff in regional languages so like both there are 22 official languages they always say hindi and english how many farmers in other states read those languages or even read exactly. at one place so i think they should actually make a mediums uh, for them to understand how policies work like like ca and nrc for example is not every person is concerned with yeah. those are just ideological issues but when it comes to 50% of the population or, was, or what the workforce depends on they should actually communicate in a very simplified manner it was actually funny when they had put the entire uh, aspect of uh, of explaining the act in english in, in the newspapers i'm like which yeah. would read it in english or in or in yeah. 
it really doesn't make sense like okay like even if the farmer is capable of reading english or hindi he doesn't understand sections and clauses and etc you need to explain how concepts work like you, you like you need to say that no look bro, bro you were selling it to this person earlier you don't need to sell it to many more you're not obligated to you can sell it to everyone around you like any state so you need to explain it to farmers whether that's harmful or beneficial for them that's secondary but at least you need to make an effort uh, as as a state or a government to uh, win over them or convince them or even and make them understand your policy in the first place so i think that's exactly. lacking in india uh, so i mean uh, it's up to the government to do what it has to do uh, we can't really uh, suggest communication methods and etc yeah and that one small step will get rid of so many unnecessary protests and misinformed riots around the country exactly exactly yeah so leaving with that point in mind uh, thank you for listening to us and tuning to our podcast you can listen to our podcasts on htv youtube spotify itunes and other platforms as well do stay tuned for the next episode thank you for listening